Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, Episode 6, recorded Sunday, May 26th, 2019. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to this latest episode of Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Cincerpino. We can't believe it's already Memorial Day, official start of summer up here in New England, and uh, we're taking a couple of days off here at the shop uh, just to get caught up on some things, as it's been a really, really busy time for us since uh, we picked up uh, with the Boston Sea Rovers in early March. Actually, we've been, been teaching all through the winter. And uh, last weekend was the culmination of some of that hard work as we were able to certify 12 new open water divers. Um, It was great to be out uh, up at Jamestown, and we had uh, eight PADI professionals in the water helping our students get certified, and that all wrapped up uh, Sunday. Also wrapping up last Sunday uh, was uh, the uh, PADI instructor exam, and we had three of our uh, newest instructors pass that exam, and they'll be getting into the rotation here very shortly. We start another class this week. Uh, Also, uh, we had a dive master orientation this week, as well as a rescue diver orientation. And um, we're set to go on Tuesday. We'll be back at the shop, ready and raring to go. Uh, Tuesday is also Don and I's 36th wedding anniversary. It's been an amazing adventure that started all back in 1983. In the last episode, I reviewed a couple of different undergarments for dry suits. Today, I want to talk a little bit about wetsuits. One of the big questions we always get here in the shop when people are looking for a wetsuit is, what thickness should I buy? Well, like a lot of things in scuba and questions in life, our answer is, it depends. It depends on a lot of things. Depends on where you want to dive. Depends on when you want to dive. Depends on your tolerance to cold. And it depends on uh, whether you or not you want a lot of flexibility or mobility. For me, if I'm diving wet, I want to be in a three millimeter wetsuit. I choose the Aqualung Aquaflex because it's very easy to put on, offers me lots of mobility, and it, it really minimizes the amount of weight that you have to carry in order to, to descend. I just throw on my uh, Apex Tech shorts with the pockets, and I'm ready to go. I also find that that 3 millimeter keeps me warm enough, as long as the water temperatures are right around 77 or above. 77 is about the limit. Below that, I'll need to go to my 5 millimeter wetsuit, which is also an Aqualung Aquaflex. When we went to Key Largo back in April, I wasn't quite sure where the water temperatures were going to be, so I brought both a 3-millimeter and a 5-millimeter wetsuit with me. 
Turns out uh, we checked the water temperatures the first day. They were hovering around 77 or so, and uh, I used a 3-millimeter, and I was fine for that uh, those several days of diving down there with the 3-millimeter. We did have some of our divers who, who, who had 5-millimeters, and, and they were fine in the 5-millimeter. Remember, I always trade off the added weight for the warmth. So, uh, you know, don't be afraid to, to put that five millimeter on. When we used to dive in Hawaii, I found that I needed the five millimeter. We used to go over there in February or March, and the water temperatures there were probably around 75 or 76. And I got cold into three millimeters. So I traded it off for, for the five. So as an individual for warm water diving, you'll need to make a choice. If you tend to get cold, you probably would want to go with a five millimeter. That might be the right choice for you. If you have a good tolerance to cold and um, you, you, can, you, don't, you don't get very cold very easily, then you might be able to do a, a three millimeter. If you just aren't sure, the five millimeter wetsuit is probably the more versatile. Just remember, you know, water conducts heat away from your body 20 times faster than air. So even in, in that 80-degree water, you'll be okay in the 5-millimeter wetsuit. You just need to be a little careful when you're getting ready. The sun beating down on you when you're in a 5-millimeter can be brutally hot, so you'll need to stay hydrated and not put that wetsuit on until you're right before you're ready to get in, in, in the water. If you still can't make up your mind and you're not sure, well, you can always buy both a 3mm and 5mm and do like I did, bring them along with you so you can figure it out when you get there. As for a 7mm wetsuit, that's a whole other story. And as I talked about last time, that's where we tend to get into the dry suits. The Ocean Foundation describes themselves as a unique community with a mission to support, strengthen, and promote those organizations dedicated to reversing the trends of destruction of ocean environments around the world. Interesting. So how the foundation works is it goes out and works with donors who care a lot about the ocean and then provide those financial resources to other organizations who are actually able to do something in protecting the oceans. Their president, uh, since its founding in 2002, is a gentleman named Mark J. Spaulding. You can read uh, a little bit more about Mark's impressive background on the Ocean Foundation website. They do this uh, their work through a number of services that include something called fiscal sponsorship, uh, grant making, research, uh, capacity building, advised funds, consulting, facilitation, and speaking for the oceans. And there's details on each one of these services on their website. Now, the Ocean Foundation has spent uh, about $48 million over the last 13 years on marine conservation. And those areas have been in protecting marine habitats, uh, protecting species of concern, 
building capacity in the marine community, and expanding ocean literacy. Again, you can read a lot more about those on the website as well. They also have a news stream out there, and you'll find a lot of neat information, some articles and different posts. One of them is like how to reduce your carbon footprint in the car or uh, how to reduce your carbon footprint when you travel. There's also another interesting uh, program on their website called Seagrass Grow. And essentially um, what it is is seagrass is 35 times more effective than the Amazonian rainforest in the carbon uptake and storage. There's also a whole lot of other benefits in seagrass, and and they're outlined on the website. The other thing is if you click on it, you can uh, start uh, using a calculator to determine how much carbon you're using. Um, and, And then if you want to, you can do a carbon offset by making a donation. So here's how it worked. I think I thought I'd, I'd give it a try. So I used the calculator to, to uh, look at our trip to Dima in November. And there'll be three of us going, and uh, we'll, we'll have two rooms with the flights from Hartford to Orlando with a rental car. So you plug in all those numbers, and, and it says that that trip would be 0.89 tons of carbon. Hmm. So uh, you can do an offset. So it comes up in, in, uh, in full tons of the offset. And uh, that trip of a carbon offset would be $17.80 for one ton of carbon offset for that trip for three of us to DEMA. Okay, so what do they do with that money? Well, they take it and then they plant seagrass. And up to date, they've now planted 335,000 square feet. And they estimate that 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 offsets about 223 tons of carbon. Um, 80% of the donations go to planting the seagrass. 10% of it um, is for a coastal education fund. And then 10% is for the administration. So uh, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Very interesting organization. You might want to check out the Ocean Foundation. There's an article in the latest edition of Dive Training Magazine titled Keepers of the Flame, the folks who keep diving's history alive. Well, history was one of my favorite subjects when I was in school, and I still enjoy the study. If you're also interested in the history of diving, there's a concise history in Alex Brilsky's book, The Complete Diver. But as I was thumbing through that uh, magazine, there was also an ad for the Florida Keys, and it pointed out the History of Diving Museum located in Isle Mirada. Having just gotten back from Key Largo, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't have the time to fit that into our schedule. So I did the next best thing, went online to their site. Now, the museum is dedicated to collecting, preserving, and interpreting artifacts, antiques, books, documents, photos, and oral history relative to the history of diving. It was founded by Drs. Joe and Sally Bauer and was first incorporated in 2000, but opened to the public on a part-time basis in 2005, and finally went full-time in 2006. 
Dr. Joe Bauer passed away in 2007, and Sally, though, remains as the president carrying on the legacy. You can get a real sense for the depth and breadth of the museum by clicking on its virtual tour. It's not really a virtual tour. It's a static listing of all the exhibits, but you can see uh, that, it, that it's pretty extensive. They also have uh, showcase exhibits uh, featuring uh, you know, every year, and they have one starting in June of this year, and it runs through December, and that one is called uh, Diving with a Purpose, 15-Year Odyssey, Restoring Our Oceans, Preserving Our Heritage, and you can read all about that, uh, that uh, featured exhibit on, on the website. Uh, the museum also houses the Bauer Diving History Research Library. And the library boasts uh, uh, 2,500 books. They also have a number of prints and photos, along with uh, historic and rare diving literature. Now, uh, we didn't get to see the, the History of Diving Museum this year, but it's definitely going to get on the agenda for our trip next April when we hit back to, the, to uh, Key Largo. So uh, the History of Diving Museum, we're looking forward to it next year. Uh, check it out. As I close out Episode 6, I want to again thank everyone who's been listening to Scuba Shack Radio. To date, we've had listeners in nine different countries. And that was certainly something I didn't expect when I started this uh, a couple of months ago. We'll continue on with the podcast. It's something I enjoy doing and hope that you find it enjoyable and interesting as well. As always, if you would like to give me some feedback, uh, you can get to that from the, uh, the podcast website at scuba-shack-radio.blueberry.com. Or if you'd like to leave feedback from our, uh, my blog on the website, that's at scubashackct.com. So until next time, hope you're enjoying the Memorial Day weekend. We're having some great weather here in the Northeast, and I uh, hope that you're out diving. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another episode. So thanks for listening. Talk to you then. Bye. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.